Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Blue Turf. Uh, Eric Bergrud is with me. This is that Bell. We are actually at the Kansas City Soccer Dome. The, the world-famous Kansas City Soccer Dome. Yeah, I, was a, I knew you were going to correct me there. I was waiting for it. I, I, that was a setup. That was a pass. That's good. All right. We are at the Soccer Dome. We are watching a little bit of practice as they're getting warmed up today. And kind of like the little ambiance in the background, you know, balls, voices, that sort of thing. How you doing today, Eric? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Thad? Not too bad. I, I survived the media game the other day. You won. Team Vassos. Yeah. that's What dumb. a come-from-behind victory. It was. Uh, we would not have given up a goal, but we had a... Uh, we, we won 2-1, but we, we surrendered the first goal. The right-sided defense was not very strong. I was the left-sided defense, which... You're so. sounding like a player already making excuses for... Somebody else making a mistake and it didn't happen in my lane. It didn't. There it you didn't. go. No, I'm. I, I take pride in these media games, man. I don't like losing. I don't like losing anything. And people are like, oh, we're just out here to have fun. I'm like, no, we're out here to win. That is exactly right. There were a lot of people on the field too. There was. Yeah, that was little organized chaos. Yeah, balls bouncing everywhere. Uh, it was a little crazy, but it's always fun to get out there, whether it's the comets or for sporting or the current or. I'll go play any game if I can just stand there a little bit. Uh, big kudos to your uh, teammate, Daniel Sperry. He holds a distinction of having scored in two media games in the last yeah. year. He scored in the, the Sporting Kansas City media game, scored in the Comets media game. It's like maybe he's found his niche. 
Yeah, no, I, that's it's a little amazing. He uh, he scored that goal from the corner too, and. He's like, ah, they, uh, that would have happened in a real game. I'm like, have you watched indoor soccer? Man, that <laughs> does happen from there a lot. All right. More important than the media game, Kansas City came back. They, uh, a dramatic winner, a goal from Junior Kazim with, like, 45 seconds left or something, somewhere around there. I, uh, I was actually watching from upstairs and not shooting that game for a change, but so it was a little bit different view for me. But what did you get from that game? Well, well, first of all, I've been thinking about this. Give yourself a pat on the back, Bad Bell, because how many episodes have you been talking about Junior Kazim and what he can do in the box? And Comets fans witnessed this firsthand on Saturday night. And uh, he gives you that effort. He goes after loose balls. And that's basically what the game winner was. Saved by Paulo, loose ball in the box. Got there first, kicked it in crowd went nuts it yep. was electric there at cable Don marina on saturday night that's right now on the commas there's probably nobody i'd want inside the box more than junior outside the box there's a lot of other players he he still has uh growth in the game but inside the box man that guy is deadly yeah and so you had his two inside the box goals and you had some bangers from outside the box too it was a good mix of yep. scoring leo gibson still 11 goals short of tying Kevin Ketters for the all-time Kansas City record and I think where he's positioning himself right now on the back line it's going to take a little bit longer to go there if he even gets there but we can talk about that maybe later in the season. And that, uh, that was one of the challenges in this last game they were missing multiple defenders multiple forwards which is how Junior got on the field essentially um, no Sosa because of suspension. Togba with the concussion protocol yep I, I did see him after the game so he was there but definitely not ready to be out there practicing yet and, and i don't see him in practice today so i'm assuming he's still in that con his instagram game is still strong so i i saw him when he came into the arena and he was wearing shades i think still in precaution yeah. mode but uh, I, I saw on Instagram, he, he captured video, and uh, I think he was really proud of uh, Junior Kazim. He said it was a proud uncle moment. So there you go. Uh, if, if you can't play mentor, right? That's right. How about that? Uh, all right, so let's see. who We knew Leah was on the back line. We knew Schmerman played defense. Uh, who else Nacho really? Nacho got dropped back too, yeah. which I think is a strong move. Nacho's very versatile, and you, and you want against a rival team some experience there in the back, and I think that it paid off. So St. Louis came up early, Lucas Almeida with two goals, and what was uh, cool about that is he had a bunch of kids who were playing in tournaments uh, in, in Kansas City, and so it was almost like a, a friendly away crowd right in front of uh, him where he got to score. And, and that was great. Comets made some adjustments in the second half and then started unleashing in the third quarter, but but could not hold on and found themselves having to come from behind once again at home. You know, I, there for a while I thought they were going to actually cruise to a win, but no, no. That didn't want to make it easy. Want to make it exciting for the crowd. Uh, I'm sure that was in the game plan, right? Oh, of course it was. It's the way they scripted it, right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what people say, that everything's scripted? Yeah, not so much. Yeah. It's just done by AI. We would never, we were never actually there. That's right. That's right. Let's see, besides Junior, anybody else stand out in that game for you? Ray Lee 
on set pieces now. We've seen it now in, in two games, first at Milwaukee and then here against St. Louis. They're finding a way to get him to unleash on the set pieces. And so with, with John Sosa out, they had to adjust in terms of who was taking set pieces. A couple different players stepped forward, but his curling shot on the right side of the top of the arc restart is something to keep an eye on the rest of this season because they've found a way to make it not just about John Sosa on free kicks. There are different different options they're going to look at, and it causes defenses to think a little bit rather than focusing or targeting one player. Yeah, and, and with Sosa out, um, I mean, they had to find something to be a threat, and I mean, Ray Lee's a threat when Sosa is there because actually, you know, John always obviously sets them up pretty well at times, but it, it would be nice to have John back for the Comets this coming game. Oh, that's for sure. And then then you start having the luxury of plug and play who are we going to put on our first team uh, top of the arc restart who are you going to put on your uh, power play unit etc cetera, etc cetera. Lucas Sosa continues to hit bangers too and with both feet and so some of his goals with his left foot have been even prettier than, than the ones from his right foot so so he keeps keeps cruising along keeps leading the, the team in scoring and and we've talked about this quite a bit where the goal is going to come from and they're coming from all over the place and so got the win against the ambush we we said that uh, we don't want to call anything a must win but must wins it was three points in regulation uh important against the the ambush to keep them down and keep the comments up in that third spot they didn't really get help from anybody else this last few days uh, the wave one, Florida one. You can't expect the help. No, right. But, but some of I, it may happen, yeah. but you can't expect it. You can always hope. So, so looking ahead, home and away with Florida coming up here on Friday night, and then the following Sunday in Lakeland. And so you start you start having this conversation we've been having the last couple episodes is is must win, must wins at home, and and must wins are three point wins, two point wins are fine, but as you see Milwaukee and Florida right now battling for first place. Comets want to make a move. I think they'd rather be a two. Well, for sure, they'd rather be a two for than a three. They will need some help if Milwaukee's going to stumble in first place, just, just the way the points are spread out. But Florida, Baltimore, Milwaukee games coming up here on the next stretch have to take care of business at home and steal some points on the road. Yeah, um I mean, I would like for it to happen, but I'm not really seeing the comments climb into first at this point. That's just not likely. But they don't have to. I was talking to Leo Gibson just before you arrived here at the world-famous Kansas City Soccer Dome that that nobody in the East clearly is running away with it, and there's there's opportunity. So if you look at the top of the, the conference and look at the bottom of the conference, at the bottom of the conference, it's not clear anybody is claiming that fifth and final spot in the playoffs, but if you look at the, the top of the conference, there are matchups for the for the Comets, and historically, they've done in the playoffs. Historically, I'm not talking about recent years, but historically, they've done well on the road and shown that in a two game series plus the the extra time that they can win that extra time game on the road. So really, what they need to do is put themselves in a position. Ideally, you'd want to be a one or a two, and so that way you'd get home field advantage that that first round but even in a situation where they're having to play on the road 
this stretch is important because you want to show the Floridas, the Baltimores, and Milwaukee's we're not afraid of going into your arena. So in a in a playoff series, even if you're the higher seed, we know we can go there and steal a win. Absolutely. Um, I I'm curious to see how the team performs going forward now. It they seem to find a little more balance now. This last game, it was two goals from a forward, two from a mid, two from a defender off of set pieces a little more balanced than what it was. I mean, at one point it was all defenders scoring. Uh, there was no forward scoring. They were missing uh, Rian Marks. They were missing Benji. Uh, Leo dropped to the back because they needed defense. Uh, like Nacho dropped back. Uh, we haven't seen maybe as much from uh, big Mike De Silva as we'd hoped. Uh, do you feel like that maybe they are kind of rounding into the form that we expected from them or is it just, you know, too early to, still too early to tell? So Nick Bassus and I were talking to Comet's um, managing partner. I was like, what's his title? Managing partner Brian Bozinski after the game Saturday night. And, and he reminded us this is a team that we believed was set up to go, to, right. to make that run. I think what's interesting about them is the unpredictability is in years past, you knew they were going to go to Leo or you knew they were going to go to Rion, and, and that's where a lot of the points were going to come from. Right now, it's not clear. So if you're an opposing coach and you're scouting the Comets, where, where do you go? And so what's interesting about Florida is defensively, they bring in Chad Vandegrift, who's the reigning defender of the year, and you would assume traditionally that he'd be man-marking Leo. Well, Leo's probably not going to play up top on Friday we'll see about that and so they're going to have to adjust with the situation they also like the Comets like scoring a lot of goals and are very susceptible to the counterattack. I think there's multiple teams in this league that would rather play offense it's not that they, that they can't play defense but they want to push everybody forward and you better score or not find yourself in a situation where it's a 2v1 3v2 the other way because the other team is going to punish you Florida has been punished this year moving forward. And so it's going to be interesting to see how the teams adjust and whether we see a 7-6 to six game or whether the teams approach this differently. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, no, it it will be interesting. Uh, I mean, uh, like you said, Florida's been good, but they've been vulnerable. Do you have any other expectations from the Comets? With we still don't know uh, the health of Rian or Benji, or who will play. Maybe, you know, we were watching practice, but they all left. 
they were like, oh, hey, we're not going to tell Thad and Eric what our plans are. So we're going to go on mute here for a little bit while they continue recording their podcast. So so Kansas City, not clear who the 16 is going to be. Florida is interesting. They traded away their captain and arguably most popular player, Zach Reggett, multiplayer cash move to, to Harrisburg. They've been battling injuries like the Comets have had, so they've been having to go plug and play. And, and what's even more interesting is the goalkeeping carousel in in Florida. So who knows who's going to be starting in goal on Friday? They, they have three different options there, including somebody who is no more as an Instagram celebrity than a goalkeeper, Frederick, who got the win at Dallas the other night, also got an assist – a Wallace score assist from a goalkeeper on what is arguably going to be the goal of the year. If you haven't seen the highlights of uh, Ricardo Carvalho, bicycle kick, beauty goal. I don't know who's going to be in goal. Is it going to be Navaretti? Is it going to be Heiner House? Is it going to be Frederick? I guess we'll find out. Do they even know at this point? Oh, I'm sure Clay Johnson knows. What's interesting, uh, we've, we've had a few conversations the last few years with Clay Johnson. He keeps his cards close to his vest. And so I guess we'll see when we'll see. A lot of coaches do nowadays. Let's see. uh, Anything else we need to talk about the Florida game? It's the pink game, which has become an annual tradition. Uh, Great opportunity for fans. If you, if you go to Comet's social media, Comet's website, you can find out about a a women's self-defense Seminar that's going to be offered on the field, I believe, at 5 p.m. on Friday. Comets will be wearing their pinks, which are always slick. Nick Bassus and I will be donning pink, too, so we'll, we'll get into the spirit there. I would just expect a lot of goals in an entertaining game, but, but as we've said, hold serve at home, three points. Absolutely. In other Comets news, there was uh, four players put on trade waivers. Uh, Nick McDonald, Mirko Sandavari, uh, Odane Sinclair, and Sway, yep. the the third keeper that we have not seen with the Comets yet. Uh, they were put on trade waivers. That's a term that I had not seen before. Do you have insight to exactly what that means? Or So my understanding of what that means is teams across the league have the ability to contact those players to see if they're willing to move to that city and then negotiate a trade with the comments and and what the trade might look like i guess that to be determined on case-by-case basis i think what's what's tricky for some of the players is some have deep roots here in the kansas city area i wouldn't see them move unless it's a short-term deal where they're playing out the rest of the year i think with sway what's interesting is you never know with goalkeeping in terms of what team might need a goalkeeper and it's not only just in the MASL. There, there are teams in multiple leagues that could be an option for him. Yeah, and I know Nick is, you know, Kansas City native. Uh, I'm not sure about Marco. Where I, I don't actually remember where he's from, but Marco's I know he's been from forever. Chile, but he has roots here in the Kansas City area too. And then Odane, who's actually played in a couple markets, but but has family here. He's played for the. I was going to say late great. Let's just say the late Orlando Seawolves also played for the ambush. But I would imagine that would just be a short temporary yeah. deal if if somebody were to pick him up. He uh, He's played a fair amount with the Comets this year already. And Multiple positions, too. Yeah. Target as well as on the back line. And I thought he had a really solid game in St. Louis. He did. 
I've been critical of him because he's not the fastest guy out there on the field, but he he actually played some really good defense there for a couple of different games. Yeah, and I think I mean, part of it, it, it I had a, a longtime season ticket holder come up uh, to me or talk to me. Yeah, it was it was after a game, looking at the roster. It's like, how come they have all these players? And so what you find out in, in the, the wear and tear and the grind of the season is injuries pop up and coach Leo Gibson wants to have as many options as available to him. And so you talk about players who've left, we can talk about a player who was signed this week too. Well, that's, that was up next. You, I think you probably know him way better than I do. I actually know him fairly well. So his name is Jacob Jones wearing the unusual number of 54. He was a five-year starter at park or five-year player in the fifth year. So in the middle of COVID, both the NCAA and NAIA granted players an extra year right. of eligibility. So he played all the way through. One of the top all-time scorers in, in park history. Can can shoot from both, obviously prefers his right. He's a grinder. He will put in the minutes. He is a, a solid teammate too, so assist as well as score. And he's sort of one of these tweener players that fit in with Park. You could plug him into multiple positions, and uh, he likes to battle. So I chatted with him just for a little bit before you got here at that. And uh, once again, another Park University pirate who's finding a place for himself in the MASL. I've uh, I know I've probably seen him play with Park, and I don't really remember specifically as much. But I've seen him out here at practice with the Comets. He's been around for a while, training with them long before he got signed, before he was drafted by them. And he's impressed me. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be like the superstar, but he's a guy that once he gets a little game experience, I would have no problem with him being out there on a regular shift from what I've seen so far. So I'm going to draw a contrast for you with somebody we haven't talked about who scored a goal on Saturday night. That's Milos Vucic. So Milos Vucic has played in Europe, has played in the Champions League. So his soccer pedigree is fantastic. The challenge is adjusting to indoor soccer when that's not your norm. Jacob Jones clearly hasn't played in the Champions League, has played college soccer, but he has played a lot of indoor growing up in Kansas City. And so that transition from the outdoor game to the indoor game may be less of a hurdle for him than somebody who doesn't have that background and experience. And so I get a little less excited when people want to talk about soccer pedigrees for players coming into the MASL. It's really more of a how quickly can you adapt to the game. There are a lot of skilled players in this league. We were raving about Monterey. How you adjust to the indoor game, that's the challenge. And so some people rise to that challenge. Other people struggle. And this isn't just a recent phenomenon. You can go back to the early days of the Comets all American players who came from college into the indoor game, some had a hard time making that adjustment. Others did better. Oh, we've seen that with MLS players, national team players even coming into the game, and they show their skill, they score a spectacular goal, but they don't contribute to the team being better because they don't know how to, the tactics, the strategy, how you play the actual game other than what the, the part that does carry over from outdoor. So, so let's talk about uh, people who have been able to do this a long time, like Leo Gibson, like Ian Bennett, know 
expecting them to run. But Ian Bennett can run with anybody in this right. league still. But it's the experience, it's the understanding, it's the, it's the what I would call not just soccer IQ, the indoor soccer IQ. Where do I place myself? How do I use the boards? How do I use positioning effectively to maximize my individual and my team's accomplishments there on the field? And so you can see somebody who's 39, 40 years old, not just playing in this league, but starring in this league right. because they understand how the indoor game is played. Yeah, at that point, it's much more about the experience than being the strongest, fastest person. Uh, Leo's not the fastest guy out there anymore, but he knows, you talk about the boards and such forth, but it's how to position your body because it's much, it's a, there's a lot more of that. I got to turn somebody than there is even in outdoor because there's so much more space in outdoor that doesn't come into play quite as much. Well, look at a John Sosa. Look, you talk about Leo, but John Sosa would be another example of somebody who understands the game and makes very tactical decisions every single game, both offensively yep. and defensively, Well, and as well as on special teams in terms of how do I give my team the best chance to win based on this situation. And so there are players like that across the league who have figured this out, but it takes time to figure this out. I was going to say Sosa normally uses his head, but that's also what got him into the last blue card. <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's a game that invariably you're going to get in the in the penalty box. Kansas City finds themselves sometimes in in the penalty box more than other teams, and uh, they have a reputation on the road for being a physical team. And and I'm not suggesting at all that there's a cause and effect in terms of reputation and how they're booked, but they seem to play more physically on the road, which lends itself to more penalties on the road. Well, I think a lot of teams do that also. I mean, that's not really unusual. You play, you play differently on the road because you, you're trying to take away that home field advantage and disrupt styles, tactics, emotions, all that. Oh, 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 oh I get that, but I don't hear – people talking about other teams on the road as much as I hear about Kansas City being talked about on the road. So it is what it is. Uh, some fans are just more whiny than others. Well, what's interesting about <laughs> what's interesting about MASL fans is it's very easy to point out the whininess of some other team's fan base, but uh, overlook the the similar behavior of your own. Oh, no, we, we have called out Comets fans on this podcast, so. We have. I, I, I'm just saying what, what's, what's interesting, if you track any of the, the back and forth online, or even more entertainingly, if I just created a, a word in, in the Twitch chat during games, it's not only interesting between the fans of the two teams playing, but then you start getting other teams who have an ax to grind with one of the teams who, who, who want to jump in. And, and we've seen that with Milwaukee fans jumping in in, in Kansas City and, and St. Louis and uh, in a way that shows that the, there is fan attention, not just on teams, but, but the league, which is good. It just sort of exacerbates the uh, maybe the, the tensions between fan bases in, in a more contained environment. Uh, go back to Jacob Jones for a second. He was their third round draft pick. Uh, how many? I've not seen a ton of draft picks signed so far this year. I mean, there's been a few. I've seen some some comments about it. So let's walk back to what the league has done this year. First of all, there was a, a combine that took place in October. Let's just call it a free agent combine. And so there was an opportunity for players to 
nominate themselves for eligibility for the combine. And so that was phase one. And phase two was a college draft. Now keep in mind, the college draft took place in December in the middle of people's senior year. So not everybody would be in a position where they want to play right away. In some cases, there was a gamble that we're going we're gonna to try to gamble on a local player who may or may not be interested in, in indoor, but we want to hold their rights, which teams hold their rights up until next December. But also keep in mind, this is the first year of this league's draft, and so it's going to take some time to build those relationships with college coaches, with players right. who see this as, as a pathway in. I was uh, texting back and forth with an official from the Heart of America Athletic Conference yesterday, and I mentioned that if you look at the what the comments have just done and now bringing in another Heart player, Jacob Jones from, from Park University, there are seven or eight Heart players, not just Park, but three from Central Methodist University, which has been one of the dominant schools in, in the NAIA. And so the more that players see this as an opportunity, it will expand interest in the draft and probably, I guess you'd call it a conversion rate, yeah. percentage of players drafted who wind up signing. Well, I know, I know the comments really took a kind of a long shot on the first round pick that was worth taking. Uh, they probably would have gotten Jacob Jones unless somebody else drafted him and they probably would have sent it you know a couple dollars to his rights at some point to get it back so I wasn't never I was never surprised that he was going to sign anyway uh, but yeah it, it's something that plagues all the soccer drafts that when they take place people were in their senior year and um, I know sporting their first round draft pick is it was went back to school so he'll probably report in like May and you know they'll they'll probably end up signing him to their two team just to have him available. The Casey Current, one of their draft picks, is staying in school until she's done. Also, so it's really common in the soccer world for that to be the case. It was just uh, I just had not seen a ton of them from MASL be signed so far. But well, a couple different examples. I know Milwaukee um, signed immediate play option and then Skylar Funk who we'll see we should see on Friday uh, who's already scored for Florida so there have been some targeted examples in the case of, of Skylar well his college coach Clay Roberts so uh. it, there's already a relationship there and an understanding of what the transition is going to look like and so I think that this year was in a way the wild west okay we'll figure out the draft as we're going along i'd see teams getting a little bit more strategic next year in terms of how they want to approach it all right anything else we need to cover today eric i know you uh, probably need to take off shortly to get some meetings yeah meetings uh meetings are us i guess is what they say i i'm looking forward to an exciting game against florida next week's podcast we're going to be talking about a lot of florida because we'll be doing the recap of, of this friday's game and then a preview of next weekend's game and so We'll get a sense of how they matched up here and then project whether whether there'll be some serious adjustments for the, the return match in Lakeland. It will, uh, yeah, we'll be much more entertained by Florida at that point. Whether We'll see if they, how they come into Kansas City and then try to predict what they'll do when they go back down there. It's going to be a battle, and, and we saw in the playoffs last year, last time we've seen Florida, Comets beat Florida here. Couldn't get any any wins down in Lakeland and, and now um, 
they'll get another shot at them the next two weeks, and it's up to the Comets to get results and try to make that move up to the the top tier of the Eastern Conference. Two, two six point games essentially. Yeah, that's it. You want you want to get your maximum points, and you want to prevent the teams ahead of you or or in in contest with you or getting any points. And that's why it's it's critical to get three rather than to split the points in overtime. Absolutely. All right. I think we're probably done today, and we're. You got you look like you're about to say something. I wasn't going to say anything other than thanks, Dad, and looking forward to seeing you on Friday night. Uh, looking forward to seeing you too, man. And we're out.